Well, church, it's time for a word. And if you are ready for the word, why don't you type it's time in the comments? It's time for a word from the Lord. Now, fair warning, this is a little bit different than how I would normally preach a message, but God has given me something that I think is so important. And over the last few weeks, it's really been rising up in my spirit. So I want to share it in the way that God has given it to me. Okay, I hope you give me the permission and the freedom to do that. Our text is found in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through verse 24. Now, a few disclaimers before we get into the word. I want you to do me a favor and grab a piece of paper and a pen or something that you can write down on, doodle on, scribble on, whatever it is, because we're going to do a little bit of an exercise at the end of this sermon. Again, that's not how we typically do it, but I truly believe that this is going to be important and vital for you to really drive the point home, okay? So have a piece of paper and a pen, I'm telling you now, so it gives you some time as you're listening to the message, you can go and find something that you can write with. And my second disclaimer is this, scratch your hands towards your pastor, okay? Because earlier this week, I had dental surgery. Um, I was eating in one of the molars, the back molars uh, on my left-hand side, actually the, the furthest back molar, broken half while I was eating, which is not the way you want it to go. Uh, and so they had to do an emergency extraction. And so they ripped that tooth out and it has been very, very interesting. So I've been on some strong narcotics and medication and in an effort not to preach under the influence of those strong narcotics and medication, I didn't take my meds today. Okay. And so let's just say I'm feeling it. <laughs> I'm feeling it. There is a cost to a lack of obedience, okay? There is a cost to disobedience, okay? Consequences come when you do not obey. And so I didn't wanna mess with the flow of what God was trying to communicate, and so I didn't take my meds. And so I'm in a little bit of pain, so hopefully I won't preach too long, but stretch your hands toward me and say, heal him, Lord, <laughs> heal him, Lord, from the dental demon, okay? I'm tired of the dental demons, okay? Cast them out, rebuke them in the name of the Lord. And if you are delaying, go ahead and go back to the dentist. Go ahead and go back, okay? Some of y'all like, I ain't been in years. Don't make the mistake I made, amen? Amen, okay. Ephesians chapter four, verses 17 through 24. It's a little bit longer than what I would normally do um, as far as a reading of scripture, but I wanna read this entire passage because I think it goes well together. Uh, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and says this, beginning in verse 17, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do, catch this, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The subject matter, if I had to tag this text today, it would be this one word, imagine, imagine. Type imagine in the comments. 
Can you pray with me? God in heaven, we ask that you would meet us in this moment of sermon preparation, sermon delivery, but also sermon imagination. Would you open up our minds and our boundaries to see more, to see greater, to see better, to see broader than what we have before? God, there is such an anointing and a call upon those who are watching. God, you have called them for such a time as this. You have not called any singular one of us by accident or by coincidence or by happenstance. So God, would you order and guide the steps of the people who are watching? Would you cause them to see greater things than what they have before? And God, you have chosen a flawed vessel to deliver your word, God. There can't be a fire in anyone's place if there is an iceberg behind this virtual pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire that I may burn for you, burn for your truth, burn for your love, burn for your justice. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. The great Helen Keller once gave this quote, and this quote leaped out and grabbed me as soon as I read it. It's a powerful quote. She said, the most beautiful world is always entered through the imagination. The most beautiful world is always entered through the imagination. Now, Helen Keller was someone who did not have the ability to see, speak, or hear, but yet she could see and she could understand that there is a power, a gift, an anointing even in something that we often ignore. It is called imagination. Type imagine in the comments. You see, many of us are very familiar with this idea of spiritual disciplines. And we're familiar with certain spiritual disciplines more than others. Many of us, if not all of us, are familiar with the spiritual discipline of prayer. We know how important it is. From an early time and tenure in our spiritual walk, or also just simply going to church, we have been made aware that prayer is essential in the life of a believer. You know this, right? Raise your hand if you do. Many of us have been accustomed to and introduced to the idea of fasting. You know that if you deny yourself, that great power is found in that. Denying yourself food and also denying yourself certain drinks and beverages that you like or denying yourself certain activities. The, the act of abstinence carries with it some power, right? You know this. Even Jesus said there are some things that can only come out by prayer and fasting in certain translations, right? So that's what we know. We know about fasting. We know about Bible reading. What does the psalmist say? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. We know what it means to gain knowledge and understanding and revelation through reading the Bible. We also know about community, how important it is, how we're not supposed to neglect gathering together as much as we possibly can. And even over the course of the pandemic, some of us, just because we've talked about it so much, have become familiar with these ideas of silence and solitude, the spiritual disciplines and practices of getting away and being in the presence of God without noise, without distraction, how powerful that can be, how mighty of an example that can be for others as well, how it can get us closer to the Spirit of God and in the presence of God. We know all about these disciplines. But the problem is many of us are neglecting a certain spiritual discipline that can actually catapult us from where we are to where God desires for us to be. And that is, of course, the spiritual discipline of imagination. There is a book that I read years ago called Imagination Redeemed, and it makes this provocative statement that many of us do not consider and do not process, 
and do not understand as it relates to our practical spiritual life. Notice what they say in the quote. They say, a redeemed imagination is a righteous imagination. <laughs> Let me say it again. A redeemed imagination is a righteous imagination. When we think about imagination, we don't automatically think of spiritual things. When we think about the redeemed mind, we think about the things that we are not supposed to think about or the things that we are supposed to think about in a spiritual sense, in a gospel sense, in a Christian sense, in a word of God sense. But here's the problem, church. I believe that God actually has created our minds not just to think about what we will do and not do, but to dream, to imagine, to see things that we cannot see in the natural, but we can only see through a redeemed mind. I believe that the imagination is so core and central to believers, so core and central to your Christian walk, that it is of paramount importance that we separate from a misunderstanding of what the imagination is and embrace the redeemed imagination, which is, if we believe this quote, also the righteous imagination. How many want to see better? How many want to imagine better? How many want to dream God's dreams? How many want to experience God visions? How many are tired of being where you are? How many want to be where God desires for you to be? Then you must imagine. The dictionary defines imagination as this, with this idea. Imagination is the faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. That's a dictionary definition. Can I give you the Burns definition? <laughs> can, I, can I have, can I have a, a say in this? The Burns definition, the spiritual definition of imagination is this. Imagination, according to the scriptures, is the ability to see God's possibilities. <laughs> the ability to see God's possibilities. I'm here to tell you, we have an imagination gap in the Christian world. It's already a vast goal, but now it's becoming a cavern. And we have ceded the grounds of imagination to our culture, to the powerful, to the privileged, to our Western sensibilities. And we have failed to incorporate imagination strategically into our Christian discipline. And this is to our detriment. It is to our shame. And it is a negative, not a positive. Many of us don't realize that we are being hindered, not because we're not doing the right thing, but because we're not dreaming the right dreams. Many of us don't need more information or more revelation to get where God has us. We have been in church for years, for decades. We have experienced all of the sermons and the Christian activities, and we have dived deep into the word and read the Christian books. The problem is not that we don't have information. The problem is we neglect our imagination and we are not imagining properly. This is strange for believers. It's strange because biblical scholars have estimated that about 30 to 40% of our writings in the Bible are actually poetry. Think about this, not commandments, not do's and don'ts, not strict stories, not miracles, but poetry. 30 to 40%. When was the last time you thought of the Bible as a poetic book? When was the last time you, you looked at the Bible and saw allegory and metaphor and narrative? We don't think of this. And what we don't understand is 
to understand what God is doing in the Bible and what God is doing in our lives, we must have a boundless imagination to believe what God has done, is doing, and will do. Let me ask it again. Do you want to see better? Do you want to imagine more? Do you want to dream bigger dreams? Do you want to see greater visions? Do you want to get from where you are to where God has you, where God desires for you to be? Church, we need to develop the discipline of imagination. Can I be real with you? In many black churches and circles, we lack imagination. Can I be honest? In many black Christian circles, we are taught behavior modification. We are not taught the discipline of imagination. We are taught that the most important thing God desires for us is for us to do or not to do, to do the good things, not to do the bad things. Where is our wonder? Where is our awe? Where are our dreams? Where is the imagination for a better church? Where is the imagination for a better reality? Where are the God-sized dreams for you not to think of yourself with a scarcity mentality? Where are the God-sized imaginations for you not to think of your purpose in a limited Sunday morning sense, but for you to think that God can use me wherever I am, whenever I am, however I am, with whatever I'm going through? Where is the imagination, church? And I'm here to challenge you. I am here to push you today. You must imagine. It's true. Our imagination can lead us astray. Most of us are only familiar with that context. Paul even writes in the New Testament. He says, we must cast down vain imaginations. It's true. That is a real thing. But the problem is most of us have cast down the reckless and unfruitful and untruthful lies of the enemy. But the answer is not to abandon imagination altogether. Just because I let go of the vein doesn't mean that I leave a gap where the vein used to be. It actually means that I replace the vein with the holy. This is what Imagination Redeemed says in the book. Look at this quote. The solution is not to suppress the imagination, catch this, which cannot really be done. It's impossible, but to restore it so that it helps rather than hinders us in our Christian living. This is the challenge for us to redeem the idea of imagination so that we can have a righteous imagination. And this is actually what I believe Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Paul is talking about a renewing of the mind. Paul equates the living of the Gentiles in Ephesians 4 and verse 17 to the futility of their thinking, the way in which they use their minds. Notice most of us, first of all, attack people's deeds. This is why this is actually very dangerous for us to do, because Christians have become uh, uh, professional traffic cops. <laughs> Christians have become godly gatekeepers over people who don't even believe. And so what we do is we look at actions and we point out actions and we point out things. And I can't believe you did this. And I can't believe they participate in that. But we don't touch the core of the belief and the core of the belief and the core of the action is the futility of the mind. Notice verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding. Not in their actions first, in their understanding first. Most people don't go wrong because they wake up and decide to do something that is bad. 
they go wrong because over the course of time, their thinking turns into futility. Their thinking turns into ignorance in their understanding. And it says here that they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So here God is trying to reveal to us through the Apostle Paul that the core is how you think, church. Whenever people are talking about actions, we have to get down to philosophy. We have to get down to ideology. We have to get down to what you believe. We have to get down to how your mind works. We have to get down to what are your core beliefs? How are you thinking about life? How are you thinking about yourself? How are you thinking about God? That's where the actions are corrupted. And Paul is trying to draw this. He's trying to say, there's futility in our thinking. <laughs> we can't live right if we don't think well. We can't do right if we don't imagine properly. And this is why so many of us struggle with things that we should be overcoming because we cannot imagine and dream that we don't have to be bound to them. We have an underdeveloped imagination. Don't let anybody ever, I'm getting off, I'm getting off track here. Don't let anybody ever tell you that creativity isn't important. Don't let anybody ever tell you that art is not redeemable. Don't let anybody ever tell you that art is a cultural or a worldly thing. Art helps us to see the beautiful creativity and the imagination that is found in our God. As one writer has said, the imagination of God is what fuels the imagination of his children. <laughs> if you want to have a great imagination, a powerful, holy, redeemed imagination, then you have to realize that God dreams. <laughs> but the, the difference between God and us is that when God dreams something, God can do it. So we have to be submitted to the imagination that was in God before the foundation of the world and that is also in God's children. Let me keep going here. Paul says in verse 20, that's not the life that you learned. You were taught, verse 22, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and, key phrase, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. When we think about the renewing of our minds, we automatically think spiritual. And it's true, it is spiritual. We just don't think that encompasses the imagination too. And woe to us if we train up a generation of teenagers and children to have a low imagination. Isn't it interesting? Our children, they play, they daydream, they imagine with their toys, with their friends. And then when they get in the church, and then when they get in spiritual places, we try to reduce the imagination because it's scary to us. That's not something we can control. But we don't teach them to harness the spiritual imagination. We teach them to suppress the imagination. And the only way that you can be made new first is in the attitude of your mind, is in the holistic way in which you think about life, and in which you imagine what life can be. And I want to challenge the wonder in you today, church. I want to challenge the awe in you today, church. I want to challenge the wide-eyed nature of your heart. I, I don't want to have a church that just does the same thing simply because it's easy and simple for us to do the same thing. I don't want to have a church that just baptizes our traditions 
and our spiritual actions and attitudes in some sort of, uh, of, of anointing and saying, oh, it can't be touched. It can't be altered. No, if something's not broke, break it. <laughs> I'm not talking about the core doctrines. I'm not talking about what we believe in our fundamentals. I'm talking about how we do it. Let's break it. Let's try it. If you've ever had an idea and a dream, uh, this, is, this isn't even in my note, but if you've ever had an idea and a dream about how church should be, I want you to write it down this week. I want you to write it down this week, and I want you to send it to me. I'm challenging you to challenge the way in which we think about church, the way in which we think about spiritual gatherings, the way in which we think about doing things for God and in the presence of God. I want to challenge you to break it. I want to challenge you to push yourself because God is found in a redeemed imagination. Someone type imagine in the comments. Imagine. Because we have an imagination gap, we can't experience all that God has for us. So I'm going to give you four things that happen when we don't use our imagination. So I'm going to reverse diagnose a limited, lowly imagination. Then we're going to do this exercise and get out of here. But when we don't use our imagination, four things tend to happen. Number one, write this down. We tend to quit. <laughs> when we don't use our imagination, we tend to quit. Have you ever given up on something prematurely? Have you ever stopped doing something that you knew you were supposed to do because it wasn't working out the way you thought it was supposed to work out? Have you ever looked at God when God told you to do something through his servants, through the people who are in your life, through the people who love you, through the people who are watching for your soul, you looked at God and said, I can't do that. We quit. Have you ever been a difficult, in a difficult situation and you refuse to go on further? What produces that? I believe it's actually a lack of spiritual imagination. For most of us, we do not see the power in imagining more, greater, and better than where we are now. We think that is, again, unholy. We think that is, again, unnatural, unspiritual. We think that is worldly activity. No, it is actually a spiritual discipline for us to imagine more in the moment of struggle. In the moment of struggle, all you can see is survival. But God wants you to imagine more than survival. God wants you to imagine not just surviving, but thriving. God wants you to imagine not just barely making it, but having more than enough. God wants you to imagine and think about not just getting by, but being more than a conqueror. How do you know this? Well, take a look at Psalms 27 verse 13. Psalm 27 verse 13 is a familiar passage of scripture. Maybe you didn't catch this though. What is the first four words? I would have fainted. And in a black church, you know what they said? Ah, hallelujah. Yes. Amen. I would have fainted unless I saw the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. No, that's not what it says. I would have fainted. Catch this. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The psalmist writes, I would have lost it. I would have quit. I would have given up. Not because I didn't see it, but because I didn't believe that I could see it. The key to keep going, the key to not quit, the key to not give up isn't in God moving. That's a given. The key to not fainting 
is believing that you will see God move. <laughs> Can I encourage someone right now? The issue and the question is not, is God going to move? But do I believe that God is going to move? If you want to see God move, you must have the belief that God is going to move and that you're going to persevere until you see God move. Don't give up. That's what the psalmist said. I would have lost it. I would have left my purpose off to the side. I would have fainted. I would have given up unless I had imagination enough to believe that God is going to move. Do you realize that imagination is not just simply a luxury. It's not just simply something for the privilege. It's actually something for those who are in the midst of the trial and the tribulation right now. Is there anybody who feels me? Is there anybody that can raise their hand and say, I'm going through it right now. I don't see my way out. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't see an end. But there's something on the inside of me that refuses not to imagine that I'll see the goodness of God. Hmm. There's something on the inside of me that is rising up and saying, I believe, I believe. Type it in the comments if you believe, I believe. If that's the cry of your heart, type it and say it out loud. Say, I believe, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord. And when you have imagination, you don't quit. But when you don't, you tend to quit. Uh, not just this, when we don't use our imagination, we tend to doubt God. Number one, when we don't use our imagination, we tend to quit. Number two, when we don't use our imagination, we tend to doubt God. There's an interesting passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 that really drives this home in the principle of imagination. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, Hebrews 11 is actually the, the hall of faith that is, it is commonly called. And all these people, these great Old Testament characters, are listed by the writer of Hebrews as having great extraordinary faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? The faith to imagine, right? And it gets to Abraham, the father of us all, the father of many nations. And it says this about Abraham. Most of you are familiar with the story of Isaac, that God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. It's a hard passage. It's a confusing passage. It's a difficult passage. But what it says in verse 17 through 19 is that Abraham had a different view of this sacrificial request than what we did. It says this, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. That's the bad news. But watch this. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Verse 18, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. God made you a promise and God tells you to sacrifice the thing that God promised you. But verse 19, it shifts Abraham's despondency and discouragement into imagination. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Notice this. Abraham believed that even if I sacrifice Isaac, God was going to raise Isaac from the dead. This doesn't mean anything to you because you have heard of resurrections. You've heard of Jesus. You've heard of Lazarus. You've heard of the widow's son. 
You've heard of Jairus' daughter. You have heard of resurrections, but in Abraham's day, a resurrection had never happened yet. Y'all not hearing me. A resurrection isn't recorded yet. A resurrection never took place yet. Abraham had faith enough to believe. This is the thing. Just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean God can't do it. I'm about to go crazy. My mouth ain't hurting no more. Just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean God can't do it. Too many of us, catch this church, hear me. This is going to hurt, but it's true. Too many of us see a God who creates boxes, not a God who breaks them. Too many of us in an effort to reduce God to something that we can understand and control, something that we're comfortable engaging with, we see a God who builds and creates boxes, not a God who breaks them. I see a God who is outside of the box. I see a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I see a God that can make a way where there is no way. I see a God that can do something that I don't even know he's capable of doing. I don't even know if anyone has experienced it. I believe God can do it. And I think what we need is the imagination not to doubt our God, that just because I haven't seen it in my life, just because I haven't seen it in my friends, just because I haven't seen it in my family, doesn't mean God can't do it. Where is the thing that God hasn't revealed or showed to you that's possible that you're saying, God gonna do this. God gonna do it. Type it in the comments, just like that, bad grammar and all. God gonna do it. God gonna do it. God is going to heal that person. God is going to give me more. God is going to give me that opportunity. God is going to take me from lower to higher. God is going to put me at the front of the line, even though I deserve to be at the back of the line. God going to do it. It doesn't mean I don't have effort, but before I can put forth my effort, I got to believe it. I got to have the imagination to say God can do it. And I'm so amped up because somebody needs to trust God again. Somebody needs to reaffirm that God can do it. What's holding you back is not you. It's not them. It's not even what's in your mind. Our times are in God's hands. Who knows when it's going to happen? But you first must imagine. You first must believe. You first must trust. We tend to doubt God when we lose our imagination. Lift your hands right now, wherever you are. Say, God, I trust you. I refuse to doubt. I refuse to fret. I refuse to fear. Because I believe. Hmm. I believe. My, my, my. Okay. <laughs> I'm turned up now. I'm turned up. Uh, when we don't use our imagination, number one, we tend to quit. We tend to doubt God. We also tend to settle for less. Hmm. We tend to settle for less. It is so interesting in Ezekiel chapter 47, there is this prophetic moment where the prophet Ezekiel says that the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. Verse two says, he led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. 
Then he said to me, catch this, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. You know what I'm tired of, church? I'm tired of believers who serve a supernatural God settling for less. This is not some prosperity message where I say everybody's supposed to have new this and new that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about believers settling for less than what God has created you to experience. In the name of humility, in the name of lowliness, in the name of trying to not be certain, a certain thing, not be perceived in a certain way. We're settling for less, church. What a shame for us to settle for less simply because we do not have the imagination to prophesy to those things that God says should live even though they're dead right now. I love what one theologian says. One theologian puts it like this. And the more I considered Christianity, the more I found that while it had an established rule and order, the chief aim of that order, catch this, was to give room for good things to run wild. I love this quote. I live by this quote. The purpose is not the order and the rules in and of themselves. It is the freedom so that good things can run wild, so that I don't settle, so that I don't live amongst dry bones and think, well, that's just the way it's going to be. God is telling us, prophesy, imagine, think differently, expand the boundaries, break out of the boxes, stop settling, stop thinking that you just got to deal with the same junk every single year, that you got to stay bound, that you got to stay in bondage, that you got to stay deceived. Who said? God did for me in order to set me free. Stop settling for less. I'm running out of time. I got to keep moving. Y'all got me hyped up today. I don't even know what y'all doing. Y'all got me hyped up. <laughs> Number four, when we don't use our imagination, we tend to quit. We tend to doubt God. We tend to settle for less. We tend to underutilize our gifts. We tend to not use what God has given us. I love this picture in Isaiah chapter six. What does Isaiah say? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I had a vision. My imagination shifted. And I saw the Lord. And Isaiah receives the call. After God says, who will go? What does Isaiah say? Here I am, Lord, send me. I got you. I don't want to lower my imagination not to see how great and awesome and mighty you are and how great and awesome and mighty you are in me. I don't want to underutilize my gifts. I don't want to take a step back. I don't want to have a futile way of thinking. I want to use everything God has called me to use. I wish I had more time to get into this, but I do not. I do not want to, my mouth's starting to hurt again. I do not want to <laughs> blow your time. I'm just saying, don't underutilize the gifts God gave you. Some of you have spent more time denying what God gave you than living into it and walking in it. And you are not just going to be judged for the things that you have done or not done. You are going to be judged 
for the things that you had in your hand that you failed to use. Because you were afraid, because nobody's ever done it before, because who's going to believe me, because I don't think I can do it, you didn't walk in what God called you to walk in. And I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. Use all your gifts. Say, here I am, send me and see what God does. Catch a vision of God and see what the vision of God that you see says to you. Let's do the exercise. You ready? I'm turned up. <laughs> I'm excited. I believe somebody's going to get free today. Let's do an imagination exercise. Okay, so write down on your piece of paper. You're going to do three things. You're going to write down three things on your piece of paper. And I want to encourage you to come back to this and you can add more things. So leave some space. Write down uh, one to three areas in your life where you feel stuck. So you kind of put them in sections. I don't have a piece of paper, strange as that is, to spread it out and show you. But write down three columns, one to three areas, at least a minimum of one and a maximum of three. Don't want to take too much time with this. Write down one to three areas in your life where you feel stuck. Could be your finances, could be your relationships, could be your friends, could be your purpose, your future, could be your job, could be your parenting style, could be your family could be your health. Write down one to three areas of your life where you feel stuck. You ready? All right. Write down the images you see in your mind when you think about these areas. So again, you're in columns or you're writing horizontally. Write down some of the images that you see when you think about your family. And if you're stuck in your family, what do you see? Do you see a wall? Do you see a closed door? Do you see a, a car that's speeding away? Do you see a vast ocean where your family's on an island or you're on an island and you're in the water? What do you see? Think about this. You might not have this right off, but I want you to use your imagination. When you think about the areas in your life where you're stuck, what do you see? When you think about your health, do you see a, a tombstone? Do you see a casket? Do you see a 20-year-old version of you that you don't like? Do you see pain? Do you see a hospital bed? When you think about your finances, what do you see? Write it down. I'm going to give you some time. Write it down. I'm going to give you about 15 more seconds. Whatever first comes to your mind, write down all of the images that you see and feel. a holy imagination. Then finally, underneath that, draw a line and write down what you think God sees when God looks at that, those areas. When God looks at the spaces in which you're stuck, what do you think God sees? When God looks at your health, what do you think God sees? When God looks at your finances, what do you think God sees? When God looks at you, 10 years in the future, what do you think God sees? Write it down. Imagine. Imagine what God thinks about you. You might not know, but it's training your imagination. Your situation may not change because of this. I'm not talking about manifesting something. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about engaging a spiritual imagination so that when you pray, you can believe that God sees more than where you are right now. 
What do you think God sees when God sees you? Those areas where you're stuck, those areas where you feel like you're failing, those areas where you can't get free, what does God see? Well, church, I want to encourage you to come back to this. I want to encourage you to pray. We're getting ready to enter into a time of prayer. And I just want you to lift up your sheet or your phone if you had to write it on your notes app or something up, up in the air. I want you to lift that up in the air. And I'm praying for you that God would, would remove the barriers and boundaries of your imagination so that you can seek, experience, and believe more. God is not bound in God's imagination. And God doesn't want us to be bound in ours. God wants to free us so that good things can run wild. A redeemed imagination is a righteous imagination. God in heaven, as papers and phones are lifted across our viewing audience, I pray that your spirit would move upon them, touch them, would grab their hearts and open up, break the boxes of their minds, expand them to see more, to believe more, to experience more. God, our times are in your hands. Who knows when things are going to change? I can't make a frivolous promise that things are going to change immediately after they put down this paper or their phones. I can't promise that tomorrow things are going to shift or in the next 10 days. It would be wrong of me to do that in and of my own desire to see people freed. But God, here's what we do know, that even if you don't change our situation, you can change us in our situation. That the discipline of imagination can break open our relationship with you. And that's where we have to change first. May we not have a futile way of thinking, but would our attitudes be transformed? Would you give us new minds and new dreams? I pray for the youngest to the oldest. It's never too early and it's never too late. Who said you're too young? Who said you're too old? Who said this is your gender? Who said, this is your ethnicity, so you can't do this? It is a lie from the pit of hell itself. May we not be bound by the futility of thinking in false imagination, but may we walk in a spiritual, redeemed imagination. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go and dream. Go and imagine this week, church. I love you so much, and I believe God has more for you. Never fail to believe it. Well, hey, everybody, this is Pastor Tyler again. Thank you so much for tuning in to the NDCC online worship experience. So if you want to take a step in God, I want to pause here. You know, normally I just breeze through this and say, hey, you can just put home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. But I think there might be someone out there who genuinely wants to have an encounter with God who wants to make a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands right now. You can type home in the comments, but right now, first, I just want you to lift up your hands. And I just want you to say, even repeating after me, if that's you, you say, God, I wanna give my life to you for real this time. I wanna follow you in everything that I say and I do, transform and change my life. Lift up your hands and say, God, come into my heart and save me. I repent of my sins. I repent of the way that I've been going, and I just want to follow you. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you for what he's done on the cross. Thank you that he's an alive and risen, and thank you that I can make the choice to follow him. Come into my heart and save me. Transform me. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're so excited. We're proud of you. We want to celebrate you. We want to be excited with you and walk with you as well. You can type home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. It means so much that we're able to introduce Jesus to you. Once again, if you did not have the opportunity to give earlier in the service, you can do so in two ways. You can go to ndccpensacola.org and click offerings, or you can mail it in to P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. I hope to see you next week. And until then, be blessed, be safe, be healthy. We love you so much. Peace.